Hello. Thank you for listening. Really quick, I would like to address that you are listening to one of our first episodes. We did not really know what we were doing as far as sound or banter. So if this is where you're starting, please be gentle. If you want to go to an episode that sounds more like what our podcast will actually sound like, I would suggest listening starting at about episode 8. Or if you want to jump to one of our favorite episodes, those would probably include Brandon Tina, Tyler Hadley, Chicago, D.B. Cooper, or the Black Eyed Kids episode. There's a bunch of others, but those are probably the faves. So if you're going to start here, though, just please know that this is not our greatest work, but it does get better. Thank you for listening. Creepy Life Podcast, the podcast for everything creepy. I'm Thomas. I'm Sparky. So normally this would be a weekly thing, but for launch we wanted to have about three episodes, so this was the second. And last time I told a story, so now Sparky's going to tell us a story. Sparky, what do you got for us? I'm going to be telling you about the murder of Philip Peters. Um, and... This is a true crime story, which uh, when we made our topic lists, I had quite a few of those on my list that I wanted to cover, whereas you have a lot of cryptids and alien encounters. I'm like... Yeah, I like weird stuff. I like true crime and ghosties. So, um, there is not a ton of information. Um, This murder happened in um, the 1940s, so um, it was kind of hard to find information, and some of it wasn't really consistent. Um, but Philip Peters, he lived in Denver, Colorado. He retired from the Denver and Rio Grande, um, Rio Grande? Grande. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Western Railroad. Um, he lived in the same house for over 30 years, and there were two stories in a small attic, and we'll post a picture of the house. It's not huge, but, you know, it's a nice little house. Um, He lived with his wife, Helen, and they had children together. I could not find any sources that said how many children they had or their names or anything like that. Um, But he and his wife, Helen, were musical people, and they gave guitar and mandolin lessons at the Denver Guitar Club, which I think is awesome. That is really cool. Um, That was where he met Theodore Edwin Conies. Um, And I do kind of think it's ironic that... Spoiler alert, this is a murderer, and we have more information about him than we do about the guy that got murdered. Because, right. you know, that's how it always is. Yeah. Um, he was born in 1882 in Petersburg, Illinois. His dad was a Canadian immigrant. His initials were TH, but they don't actually know what his name was. Um, he owned a hardware store, but he died in 1888, so when Theodore was six. Um, his mom, they don't have a first name for her either, um, but she moved to Wisconsin with her son, so I think it was just him, he's an only child, um, and worked as a housekeeper, 
um, until she died at, uh, in 1911. So, um, Theodore had respiratory problems, and they didn't say exactly what it was, but he had trouble breathing, basically, and doctors told him they didn't expect him to live past 18. Okay, so because they expected his life would not be very long, his mom pulled him out of school, um, and they moved to um, the Denver area, or sorry, he moved to the Denver area in the 1910s after his mom died. Um, he had different jobs. He worked as a bookkeeper, a salesman, and an advertiser, but for most of his adult life, he was homeless. Um, and he really didn't like people. Um, people always saw him as really frail, and he didn't like to be around them because he felt like they were being really judgmental, so he wanted to be alone most of the time. I can relate. Right. <laughs> so, back to Philip Peters. Um... They had met, like I said, at the guitar um, club, and they, I don't think we're really good friends, but they knew each other, and I guess because Philip ran the guitar club, um, Theodore assumed that he had money and decided he was going to um, go ask Philip for money because he was homeless and he wanted some food. Um, but when he went there, um, Philip was not there because his wife had broken a hip and she was in the hospital and he was visiting her. Um, during this time, neighbors were taking care of him, making home-cooked meals for him, giving him leftovers for lunch the next day. Um, so he was often out of the house, visiting other people or eating with people. Um, and Theodore didn't know that he lived with his wife. I'm not sure if they got married after that or something, after they originally met. But she did, he didn't know that she had a broken hip. So um, he, Theodore, lived in the attic for almost five weeks before he was discovered. Wait, so he was living in the attic for over a month? Uh-huh. And they had no idea? No. It was just Peter living there, but he would only come out um, when, or Peter, Philip, Philip Peters, he would only come out when Philip wasn't home. Oh, okay. But then he decided to get more brave, <laughs> the look on your face right now, um, and he began shadowing Philip around the house, which is horrifying to me. No, no that's not creepy at all. <laughs> like, just imagine, like, walking through your house and then you turn around and all of a sudden there's like tall gangly guy standing behind you yeah, who like, hasn't showered this entire time by the way that's some michael myers stuff right there right yeah. for the strangers <laughs> yeah. did he have a shatner mask no okay <laughs> um so you know it's getting serious because i'm about to give you a specific date um oh and that was in september of um, 1941 now we are in october october 17th to be specific 1941 um theodore thought peters was gone um, but, surprise, Philip was just taking a nap, and uh, Theodore went into the kitchen to go to the refrigerator, and he ran into Philip Peters, who, by the way, at this point is 73, so he's really not that much of a threat. Um, and this is one of the things that there was some differentiation on if what's the real story. Um, so one story I read was that Peters hit... Theodore first with his cane 
And then Theodore attacked, hitting him with a pistol until it broke apart, and then grabbing the stone shaker and beating him. The stove shaker. The stove shaker was like a handle that was on like a wood stove and then used to shake it, whatever. Yeah. Um, but the one I saw more was that Theodore attacked him just with the stove shaker and beat him to death with that, which is horrifying. Still, yeah, that is horrible. Um, he left Philip on the floor in a pool of his own blood, but he did wash and dry the stove shaker, you know. Oh, yeah, priority. <laughs> right. Um, and then he went back into the attic. <laughs> but just casually, like... Beat a guy to death, <laughs> and then go take a nap. It's awful. That, that makes total sense. I mean, um, you know, frequently get tired after bludgeoning an old man. Right? <laughs> you do that pretty frequently? I'm old, so, you know. <laughs> right. Um, so... The neighbors started to worry when Philip didn't show up for dinner. Um, and again, this is another thing that I read different stories on. Um, the first one that I read said that one of the neighbors went in through a loose window screen, found him, freaked out, called the police. Um, but to me, it makes more sense that they just called the police to have them check because the police said there was no evidence of breaking and entering. But if they had gone in through the window... That's kind of breaking and entering. Yeah. Even I'm, if it was for a wellness check. Yeah, because even if the window had been open, there would have been evidence of, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the police couldn't find any evidence of the murderer at all, and they said it was like he disappeared into thin air. Um, they did look around the house, and they saw the little door leading into the attic, um, which I guess they said was about three times the size of a cigar box lid, which is not big (laughs) it's it's pretty small um they said that they didn't think to look there because it seemed like it was too small for a human to fit through so they didn't bother just thinking about that i mean i'm kind of a bigger guy that makes me incredibly claustrophobic and i don't get claustrophobic just wait you get some more good information coming okay so a philip Oops, I wrote the wrong name there. (laughs) Theodore continued to live in the house. Um, You know, he would wander around, and neighbors saw him sometimes in the window, and so did the policeman, policeman, the postman, and they thought it was like a hobgoblin or a ghost is what they said, and gave them the creeps. I know. So a guy is murdered, and they don't find the killer, but neighbors and the postman continuously see a figure in a window... And don't suspect, hey, that's a person they think. Their well, their mind goes to ghost. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, he was um, pretty... Like, he hadn't showered, like, the entire time he stayed in the house, it didn't sound like. And he was pretty, like, emaciated. So he might not have looked like a, like a real person. You know, he might have looked more, like, scary, ghoulish. Kind of like Christian Bell and the Machinist. Sure. I have no idea. But, here's a plot twist, kind of. Helen, now his wife, who had the broken hip, came back from the hospital, um, and pretty shortly after she got back into the house, she fell and refractured her thigh now. Like, one of her, I don't know which one. Yeah. So, she didn't want to go back to the hospital again, so she hired a housekeeper slash caretaker to move in with her, um, and they were both concerned, um that the house was haunted because they kept hearing sounds and the housekeeper, they never say a name for her. Um, I think they said that she saw a figure at the top of the stairs, but then when she looked back, it was gone. 
It's like, oh, yeah. Um, yeah I would get out of there real fast. Yeah, me too. Um, so the housekeeper resigned over this because she was convinced that the noises wouldn't stop and she was horrified, which, again, I don't blame her. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Helen would try to call the police regularly, but they never found anything, so they started to just ignore her, basically. Did no one actually look in the attic? Well, again, it was such a small thing, they didn't think that anybody could fit through there. I know. They'd have to, you'd have to be a very small person in order to do that. And they didn't figure that somebody would be in here this entire time, probably, either. You know? Because it's been quite a while. Um, yeah. But, so after the housekeeper uh, resigned, Helen decided to move to Grand Junction to live with one of her children. Um, but the police did regularly check the house to make sure, you know, because it was sitting vacant. There were no squatters or anything. Um, there were two detectives... Roy Bloxham and Bill Jackson. And July 30th, 1942, so this is like nine months after the murder, um, they spotted someone inside the house through one of the windows and they rushed in, but they didn't see anybody. But then they heard a lock click on the second floor. And so they ran up and they opened the closet door where the um, trapdoor to the attic was and they could see a pair of legs hanging down the guy was pulling himself up but he hadn't made it up in time (laughs) which was just like it gives me shivers to think about that that would be so scary um so one of them grabbed the legs and pulled them down and it made theodore pass out because i don't know if it was fear pain probably both but so he's just laying on the floor and they um so the police were just was kind of funny to me they were trying to get into the attic but (laughs) <laughs> nobody could fit <laughs> so they had to get their smallest officer up through the hole and apparently he was overpowered by the smell and vomited immediately because like i said the guy wasn't bathing and he was just kind of collecting his waste up there yeah which is no i know it's no. really gross and i'm laughing only because i'm uncomfortable not really because it's like hilarious but i mean Okay. It's kind of funny imagining a bunch of police officers trying to crawl in through a, a door, but it's not funny that somebody was, you know, obviously thinking this was a good idea. If he was up there for so long, mm-hmm. collecting his waste, mm-hmm. and there was a lady living there and a housekeeper, caretaker type person, how did no one smell that? I don't know. That's a, I hadn't thought of that. That's a good thing. A good idea. I don't know. Um, well, and continue to listen. So, the... Um, Space in the attic was barely larger than a coffin. So, I know, it was a really small space, and there was only a single light bulb, and he slept on the floor on a leaf from a table. You know, like those extensions he put in there? Um, And one officer said it was so small only a spider could stand to live up there. And apparently when the officer was saying that to another officer, the newspapers overheard, and Theodore Edward Coney's became known as a Denver Spider-Man. I know. (laughs) <laughs> and when I read that, it was like, oh, Spider-Man, he's going to be climbing up walls. No, not quite. Um, yeah, I know. This story is really strange. This is really out there. Okay, so he was taken into custody, um, when and when he awoke, because he remember he had passed out, um, he confessed to the murder. In October of 1942, he was charged with murder. He was sentenced to life in prison in Canyon City State Penitentiary. And while he was there, he worked as a prison librarian. So, whatever. Um, okay. But uh, there was a quote on Murderpedia from him that I wanted to read. So, this is direct from Theodore Edward Coney's. 
He said, everything would have been all right and Phil Peters would have been alive today if he hadn't caught me robbing the icebox. It was him or me. I thought he had gone out, but he was taking a nap. I hit him with the stove shaker when he tried to run for help. I didn't know if he recognized me. It was nearly 30 years since he'd last seen me. When it was over, I ran to the attic after I washed and dried the shaker. I was sitting on top of the trap door when you were pounding on it from below that night you found him. So pause there. When they were looking at the trap door thinking, oh, it's not possible somebody could fit through there, he was sitting on it. That's just creepy. I know. <laughs> it's really creepy. Yeah, continuing the quote. I was in the neighborhood in September 1941 and found the house unlocked and no one home. I went in and stole some food. I was in bad shape. My lungs were giving me a lot of trouble and I was at the end of my rope. Fall was coming on and I couldn't face another winter on the road. I had to have a place to stay. I didn't know Mrs. Peters was in the hospital. I found the hole in the closet, climbed through, and slept and slept. Whenever I heard him downstairs, I kept real still. Then I got bolder and used to shadow him from room to room. It was sort of a game. It gave me a thrill. It was the first time in my life I'd ever had anyone at my mercy, but I didn't want to hurt him. It was miserable hot in the summer, and my feet froze in the dead of winter in that attic, but it was all part of the price I was willing to pay. I can't tell you why I stuck it out. I guess it was mostly because it was a world all my own. I used to go down and look out the windows and watch the postman come by. Nobody's written to me in 25 years. Whenever I saw people on the street, I hated them, and I would go back to my attic. So, I think it's really creepy also to think about the postman saw him, but he was watching the postman back. That is creepy. <laughs> like, um, yeah. So, after 24 and a half years in prison... Uh, Theodore died on May 16th, 1967, at age 84, and in the end he got what he wanted. He wanted to live somewhere that he was comfortable and be away from most people. So I don't really think that that's like... Stories like this always make me so mad because the victims, you know, die or they're traumatized or whatever, and then the attacker gets to live a cozy life in prison, and he lived much longer than Philip Peters did. That's not... Yeah, you know, part of the reason why I like cryptids and alien stories is, you know, it can be really creepy, but then there's always the possibility it's completely made up. Mm -hmm. Stuff like this that sounds like it's made up, something Hollywood came up with to mm -hmm. creep us out, and it's actually real. Mm -hmm. That's just... I know. But see, this is why I don't sleep at night. <laughs> um, and for the record, when I'm laughing again, it's because I'm uncomfortable. But um, And that's kind of how I deal with things. I laugh at everything. Uh -huh. I'm a cool person. Not really. Um, but anyway, um, I also wanted to mention he shows up a couple times in pop culture. Um, there was an episode of CSI called Stalker that was based on the story of Theodore Edward Coney's. And an episode of The Simpsons um, called The Ziff Who Came to Dinner. You're making a face. Yes, I am now familiar with that episode. Oh. I kind of look. I looked up the synapses for it, and it didn't seem like it was quite the same storyline, but there was someone living in the attic. Living in the attic, and they didn't realize that actually had John Lovitz playing Ziff. Really? Yep. Cool. He was a recurring character early on. Um, but yeah, I wanted to do this story because, um, for me, um, one of the scariest possible things is home invasion, and the idea of someone coming into your house and living there without your knowledge is absolutely 
horrifying. Yeah, it's, it's the worst. And it's rude because then they're using your electricity and stuff and they're not paying any bills. Honestly, that's the last thing on my mind when I'm breaking <laughs> into my house. You know, it's, it, it's just rude though. It's inconsiderate. But <laughs> anyway, um, my sources, I used um, Murderpedia, uh, Wikipedia, um, the Denver Library website, and because I love it, Ranker. <laughs> They've got good like snippets of information. So that's where they, I started and then I go from there. They do get good stuff. Um, but yeah, like I said, this was story I wanted to cover because it's that idea really scares me. Um, and also I found a meme today that I wanted to talk about because it perfectly fits this. Um, it's a tweet that says, Must be an incredibly bad time for the people who secretly live in a stranger's walls. That's because, fitting. Because everyone's at home right now and nobody can leave. Anyway, so yeah. Yay, COVID-19, keeping people home with the people in the attic. Yay. Um, so, anyway, thank you so much for listening. Yeah, thank you for listening. That was something. If you um, want to give us any suggestions, comments, um, send us your stories. Again, our email is creepylifepodcast at gmail.com. All right, cool. Stay creepy. Bye. Later. Later.